We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This episode 88 of the pod. Plenty to get to today. Uh, it, it felt a little weird just watching this weekend, asking a lot of what ifs in terms of uh, the divisional round. I was not blown away by anyone. Uh, obviously, the best teams are remaining. Mm-hmm. We will get to that. But off the top here, Matt, we just uh, had a little conversation before we, we got on the horn here. You want the warm coffee today. I'm working a little bit of ice, a little bit of coffee. It's still relatively warm out here on the West Coast and uh, can can still do the iced coffee. But uh, what, do you, what do you like to start your morning with? Because I heard you in the background your your Keurig was spraying. I went bad on the Keurig uh, about two eh, two years ago. I think I stopped. I threw out the Keurig. Buy or sell the Keurig? Obviously, well, I have bought obviously, so I I, I do buy the. I, I find not, I find when I it's make, not expediting your process by much. Like it's, I don't, it's really easy off, to make a pot of coffee. I'm not going to drink a whole pot of coffee by myself, and I'm really the only one hanging around here during the day. That's that's one. So I think I'm, I feel like I'm wasting some coffee in that regard. And then also like I don't know. I feel like every time I've made a pot of coffee or tried to make a pot of coffee, I can never get the right ratio of like how much coffee do I actually put into here, how much water am mm-hmm. I putting in, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I end all up making it either way too strong or way too you know weak. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the, the Keurig knows it. The Keurig has the, the little measured out cups. It, it has the size that I want, and it just it, it knows how to make the right cup of coffee for me. The Keurig is, the is also cup of coffee. The, no, the Keurig is also solid. slowly seeping chemicals into your morning Joe. So I'm just, <laughs> Joe. I'm just letting that like do, I'm do like I'm a Keurig truther. Do you know what my I'm diet for the last twenty six years, Joe? That's true. Do you think the places I'm eating haven't been secretly seeping in chemicals to my Newports and French fries? <laughs> do you? Did you see me in college? Oh God, that's that's a good point. But um, we digress here off the top, Matt. I think it's only proper that we take a little take a little sip of your coffee before we yeah. dive into some topics here. Yeah, you clank around some ice cubes over there, and I, I, I you, you touched on it, not really knowing it's what an to ASMR do, podcast having now. some having some questions about like you know what was going on, you know what you know what could have been with the Bears this week in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you, like obviously I knew there was playoff football, and I, I, I tuned in at some point to all of the games. Yeah, I worked on Saturday, and you know, usually my I, I I can have the TV on at work while I'm doing whatever, and I kind of walked in and, and realized, oh, it's already the like end of the first quarter in Chiefs Colts, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, I didn't even care what time this game started, like I didn't mm-hmm. really know, I didn't say I need to sit down and tune in, which in the past, like especially when you get down to the the last few games of football, I am setting my alarm to make sure I don't miss a second, and now it's like I just I didn't really care. It yeah. felt really weird to not. I cared. Care. I cared. I watched, Obviously, I eventually, watched, I cared. I, I watched both I watched, games, but like, um, I, I didn't feel that like I, I got to tune in. I got to watch. I got to really know exactly what happens here. So yeah. still, it still hurts. I'm still in the mode of like I kind of need to be cognizant of when the games are out here because it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense because they start at 10 a.m. So like I need to know when they are. That's kind of nice. Um, but I, I agree with you in the sense that um, building up to these games, it was the least engaged I was with the NFL and the, the day-by-day storylines and like I, you know we're, we're in the thick of it we're watching it we're we're analyzing it's a day-to-day thing whether you're watching NFL live listen, listen to the podcast listen to mm-hmm. the shows I actively avoided 
um, playoff talk because of the open wound that's oh, I, the Bears. But we're gonna we're gonna stay away from the negative. Or we're gonna I'm try a sports to radio nerd, Joe. Bears. I couldn't listen to it all week because I was I just I couldn't I couldn't that's tune true. in. That's true. Um, Matt, some some breaking news right off the top here. Ooh, if you give us did we sign Manning? Music. Uh, no, Brandon Wimbush uh, is oh. transferring to UCF. He'll that's be eligible a, to play for the Knights next season. That's interesting. I think it makes sense. It does uh, make I mean, sense. I think that's will fit a, a nicely fine in that air raid offense, and like he's like a lefty he Mackenzie Milton. He can't <laughs> throw that well. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It's it's not it's but, not uh, the. I mean, it's a spread offense. It's going to let him use his feet and you know hit. He's going to have a lot of open receivers to hit, and won't be playing. The, and I think by rule you're guaranteed twelve and zero. I think you're guaranteed twelve and zero if you're if you're on UCF. Unless LSU's on the schedule next year. It's one of. Is it really? That no, I said it was. A, no, oh. they do. They do play somebody. Uh, I want to say like Stanford. Maybe they play next year. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't if, think they if have, Stanford this year was any indication of last year, that shouldn't be an issue because I watched UC Davis go blow for blow at them. But yeah, but we as saw I what said, Notre Dame did what Wimbush did at Stanford a couple years ago, and that was absolutely yeah. terrible. So sorry, uh, I'm let's still get into this. That. No, let's, let's get, get off the, this. Let's get yeah, off being sad. <laughs> let's get into the Bears presser a little bit. Uh, the end of year presser. A lot of questions were answered. A lot of questions arised out of uh, Matt Nagy's answers. Um, let, let's lead it off just with the Parky situation so we can hopefully put that to bed. Nagy not exactly thrilled with the fact that uh, Cody went behind the team's back and uh, took a little Good Morning America spot there. No, I think the exact – I mean, Matt Nagy has been all year has been, you know, it's it's a we, not me type of thing, and he's, he's given off that vibe. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday I think his exact quotes were, you know, it. I saw that as a we thing – or a me thing, not necessarily a we thing. And for a mm-hmm. guy who had Cody Parkey's back really at every turn of the season, like it, every time he was asked. When it every wasn't time easy? When it wasn't easy. After the Detroit game, when at the very least, you know, a, a lot of people would have brought, you know, a couple kickers in to kick because that's that's not unheard of during the regular season if your kicker's struggling. Even if you don't intend on signing somebody, sometimes you kick some guys in, you bring some guys in to kick at practice to, to get mm-hmm. the other guy going. Always had his back, never even thought of, you know, turning on him. And then here's – Really is outspoken as I've heard Matt Nagy against anybody in that locker room in that organization. It was it was pretty damning. And after comments like that, I, I can't see any way in which Cody Parkey is back. And I kind of agree with him. I I totally agree with Matt Nagy. A hundred percent, and not not just for the kick, but how things unfolded after it. Like your your team all went out there, whether it was uh, Leto or or whoever else. Uh, Akeem Hicks came out and. Um, and supported him in this moment that we win and we lose, not in any one moment, this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. And he goes there and has his um, Tom Cruise on the couch moment. And uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's what the team needed. I don't think it's what Cody Parkey needed. Um, and I think it's going to actually, ultimately, like you said, come back to bite him. Uh, it, now you were telling me, Nagy was saying that it will be an open situation where Pace, I of, believe, was the one who Pace was, asked, was the one who said uh, kind of about they, you know, it'll be a kickoff yeah. of sorts. There'll be a no pun be, intended. Yeah, there'll be a uh, kicking competition, which leads me to believe that Cody Parkey will come in as the favorite because if you're bringing in another kicker, you're not going to sign a guy. Let's say just for hypothetical situation, you're not going to sign Robbie Gold to a contract commensurate to that of Cody Parkey and then have two guys essentially kicking for $3.5 million. Are you? Mm. Because if you bring in a guy like Robbie Gold, you're essentially telling Cody Parkey it's over because you're not going to take 
Cody Parkey over a guy who's the hottest kicker in the league right now. And when you look at the numbers over the course of his career is one of the greatest of all time. Now, if you bring in a lesser kicker, someone who maybe bounced around, wasn't on a team all season last year, then you actually have a kicker controversy. But who is the lesser of the two evils in that situation if it's a guy who couldn't be on a roster last year? You know, I think what I took from that is more that I don't think, I think they did take from that also that Robbie Gold or one of the bigger, I think he is the biggest name kicker free agent is probably out of the price range this year because they're still going to owe Cody Parkey some money. I didn't see it as much. I mean, they'll probably bring in a couple of journeyman guys who have bounced around some teams, but I also took that as uh, we're going to be looking at, you know, kids coming out of college, kids coming out of the college ranks because there gotcha. have been some of those guys this year. Um, and then the other name that I, I was actually doing some of this stuff for work, just kind of as, you know, in, in case Cody Parkey goes or whatever, you know, let's look at some kickers that might be able to be brought in. Uh, the kid out of New York, the Jets, Jacob Myers, uh, I believe his name is. He, as bad as the Jets were, I think he was like 91% last year. He's a free agent. And I guess why would you really want to go play for the Jets if a team like the Bears might be interested with you? So that's a name I think I'd keep out, keep an eye out on. But I also, I don't, okay. I think you're right. I don't think they're breaking the bank here. I, I also don't think they're bringing back Cody Park. I don't think he's involved in any competition because after that Today Show stunt, after clearly how the organization frowned upon it and made it very well known, I don't mm-hmm. think that's something you can just get over and bring him back and not have that be a big elephant in the room, a, a kind of a black cloud hanging over things is as minor as the kicker position might seem, we, we saw this here firsthand how important that position is. And if there's mentally something going on there, mentally something wrong, I think that's as important as anything with a kicker, then that, there's no point in bringing him back. No, 100%. There's no reason to have him around. You don't have to tell me twice either. Uh, the other big headline... That you were a holder. You dealt with kickers all the time. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite kicker to deal with? Let's see. In my career of holding from high school on, I held for Pat Mulhern. I held for Dominic Campagna. Oh, you I held Dom, didn't you? For Dom and I had great chemistry there. Of course, and you did. it's the only kicker that I ever held a game winner for. So I think I gave you the answer right there. Homecoming there junior year against St. Lawrence. We didn't play the football game we wanted to, but Dom Campagna came through. With, I believe like a. I started a long twenty yarder or a thirty something yarder. Um, I started that in he, that game, Joe. He banged through there. Uh, the snap was good. The, or no, the snap wasn't great. The hold was good. Uh, that was on Gleason. The snap, uh, if you're listening. But uh, after Dom, it was in college. I held for who was our kicker? My junior was it Mikey Kelly both years, junior and senior. Yeah, year? Mikey Kelly was. Uh, no, Mikey Kelly was. A f- who was before Mikey Kelly? Uh, Tony Angelos. Tony Angelos. So I, Tony I, I held for Tony kicker. Angelos. Um, I'd have to. It would be Mikey Kelly it's and be Dom Campagna. I'd say Dom Dom one, uh, and then Mikey Kelly one A. And I, I think that. Mikey was the Mikey was the best kicker I held for, no doubt. But um, just kicker holder chemistry. Campagna and I were on the same. Yeah, page. I mean, you guys. I mean, you guys grew up together, so you've been on yeah. the same page for you know more than just <laughs> just your time kicking together. But I, I like that. You will kicker power rankings from Joe Musso, a guy who there knows it is. the position. Maybe the Bears content should give Mikey only, Kelly a call. Content you only get here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Mikey uh, Kelly would have made the 43-yarder. I have no doubt about it. Uh, that's about. The, I think that was the extent of his range right around there. Too, I, so. I recall him making the difference a 45-47-yarder uh, in college. The difference, beautiful. The difference is Mikey Kelly was a Division three kicker, one of the best I saw. 
Uh, Cody Parkey, you're supposed to be able to hit from 50, but we're not going to go there again. One of the other headlines <laughs> that came out of the press conference yesterday was uh, the Kareem Hunt uh, situation. I'm not going to call it a sweepstakes or, no, or whatever it's not. because we don't know if he's going to end up on a team. We don't know if um, – you know what the what the punishment from the league is going to be beyond the commissioner's exempt list. We don't know how that's or when some, he'll get off the exempt list. That's been um, interesting to me that that punishment still hasn't been handed down yet, right? Well, because the exempt they, list is essentially it's, or is it's it basically they hold off until after all like this season's games have been played to ensure that he's still suspended going into next year. I think because I think hold, you can still serve a suspension if you're not on a team, right? No, I think, that, I think, I, I I think you line. need. I I think you need to be. What what games would you be suspended from if there's no potential of you playing? Well, I mean, you you that would still hinder He's a team not from a member of the Chiefs. Sign you, bring you in. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So maybe that is what they're doing is holding off until these games are over, and then they'll mm-hmm. break down. I wouldn't be surprised if they're holding off until if there's an open investigation until something happens there. But yeah. you have the other situation with Reuben Foster where that those charges once again have been dropped um, and he's still on the exempt list as well. So I think the commissioner, like you said, might be just waiting until uh, they hand out the Lombardi trophy to figure out what's going on here in the off season. But the bears did not rule out the acquisition of Kareem hunt in my eyes. um, I'm not going to come at this from a moral ground, but in my eyes, I think this is just a front office, a coach not handcuffing themselves to a no right now. Yeah, I I, 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 I I don't think it was. I think they're probably still leaning closer to no than yes, but I think this is them just leaving every option open. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you too. And, and something I was I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie yesterday because I was listening to you know uh, post press conference reaction, all that kind of stuff. And and one one interesting point I thought Sylvie had was basically I'm not sure the Bears are going to do this or be that involved, but I think this was them laying the groundwork of or basically gauging a reaction from the media mm-hmm. from the fans and how they would react to, you know, this, if this were to happen, the actual Which signing, yeah. I guess isn't, I mean, if it's something you're even considering going through, I mean, this step isn't the worst idea in the world, if that's how they wanted to go about it. Um, Matt, you just read broke some up there a little bit. If you I could, can, um, I can read that. some of the, the, the quotes here too, if you'd like, uh, well, um, let's see. Nagy said, I talked to Kareem wanting, uh, completely wanting to know how he's doing. We had a good conversation. Here's a kid I spent a year coaching on offense. It's a tough situation. I wanted to see you know, just making sure that he's okay, but understanding, too, the situation that happened is unfortunate for everybody, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's a little bit of an interesting comment there from Nagy. It sounds like there to me that he's – I don't know if he's all in on wanting Kareem Hunt, but I also don't think he wants to completely – give him a thumbs down going forward either. You know, I don't think he yeah. wants to kind of be as, as a guy speaking out publicly that knows the kid well, wants to shoot him down. But I don't really know. It's 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 an odd situation, and he's going to be back in the league at some point, right? I mean, I'd be uh, shocked if he wasn't on a team, maybe not next year, but at some point down the line, he's going to be somewhere, right? I'd, I'd bet yes, but I don't think it's going to be an easy road back for him. Um, you know, we've seen Ruben Foster get – chance time after time after time mm-hmm. and you're lying if you don't say star players are treated differently you're lying, 100% if you're lying if you're saying that um players in their prime rather than a aging ray rice don't get treated differently i i work out at a gym here in, in sacramento with a bunch of kids who are training for the draft right now and there's a kid who's been trying to get his name in the draft and, and get an invite to 
um, to to the draft and a camp for the last three seasons and can't because of a uh, domestic violence allegation mm-hmm. that was never even uh, that was never even founded. No charges were there was no police report filed and the kid can't get his name he's been talking to every team he's been garnering interest and then when they google search him the first thing that comes up is this story and everyone runs for the hills because he's not proven because the juice is not worth the squeeze in here you don't know if you're going to get the production um so it is still a business decision for these teams as crass as that is to say um, they're still weighing the pros versus the cons here. And uh, in the case of Kareem Hunt, I, I, I venture to say that someone is going to say that the juice is worth the squeeze. I, I, I'm with you as well. I don't know if that's going to be the Bears, but like again, from what we saw from Nagy, Pace, had, Pace was a much more political answer. He didn't shoot it down, but basically said like, you know, we're not, I think his, here's his exact quote is, we're not even there yet. I mean, I know what he is as a player, obviously, from watching. Matt knows him as a person, but we're not even close to that at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just basically saying, you know, it's it's the off. We haven't even started our offseason prep. Like, we're not there yet. And that was probably the right answer to give. But, I mean, if that's how, you know, these two guys feel, a team that was 12-4 and four just coming off, you know, a, a fantastic season and, and already has a pretty good core set and base that's thinking of adding this team, what do you think a team that – you know, doesn't have much going for them offensively or in terms of bigger names, star power, whatever, could really use the help. Teams like that, I would have to imagine, are thinking of bringing this guy in and and seeing it as, you know, an option that they could probably get for pretty cheap and maybe even help them on offense. He's going to be somewhere, and I think it's going to be this year after that suspension's announced. I'm just, I I wouldn't be shocked if it was here, honestly. Uh, With with how well Matt Nagy knows him and how he kind of just vouched for him, I I would not be shocked to see him in a Bears uniform, and I don't necessarily know how to feel about that unless I see kind of steps taken by him, like actual steps trying to, you know, make amends for what he did, make improvements on himself and all that, which by all accounts doesn't seem like he's really done that yet. In my eyes, I don't know, even if his name is cleared, if the juice is worth the squeeze. He's a great running back. He could probably be you know, one of the top in this decade with what we've seen in a small sample size from him in Kansas City. Would it work just seamlessly with Nagy's offense? Yes, but you also are watching Matt Nagy make everyone better. You're watching Mm -hmm. him get a lot out of Benny Cunningham. You're watching Tariq Cohen come into his own as 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 a Pro Bowl weapon. I think that I'm of the school of thought that if you can get a system running back that sometimes is even better than the guy who needs 30 carries a game 25 carries a game I think that's where the Jordan Howard drama partially came from early this season and I think that's why they were also non-committal in this press conference to Jordan Howard which I think you could delve into a little bit deeper Matt as well yeah uh, again I'm also with him if you look at wild card weekend especially Saturday look at the running backs who had big games Damian Williams, who Kansas City quite literally picked up off the street after the Kareem Hunt stuff, and he went off for, I think he had over 100 yards rushing, some big game receiving as well. And then C.J. Anderson was, I think, had as good a stats as Todd Gurley did against the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. in this league especially, this is so much, running the ball is so much more about scheme and your offensive line rather than who, I mean, obviously if you have a Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott back there, like that's those guys set themselves above the rest. But mm-hmm. after kind of those elite of the elite running backs, you just need to have the right yeah. system, the right plays, and the right coach to get something out of those running backs. Those guys, <laughs> I don't mean to devalue the position because obviously there are those certain guys who are that good, but running the ball is so much more about scheme. 
CJ Anderson like wasn't on a team week 16. Okay. Yeah. And he just ran for a hundred and some yards and is looking to be an integral part in the Rams Super Bowl push and get the guys, make sure they understand the playbook and uh, let him touch the rock a few times a game, but pick up, you have a guy who can pick up blitzes. You have a guy who can be motioned in and out of the backfield. You have an, a back who's versatile, I think is the best thing, especially mm-hmm. for a Nagy offense. It doesn't have to be a Kareem Hunt. No, uh, I, I think uh, I was actually just thinking this to myself is, you know, the what I would do, my plan of attack is just basically be heavily scouting these, you know, running backs film from college, keep an eye out on the senior bowl and try and get someone in the draft. But at the same time, the Bears are limited on draft picks this year. And if you can get one for, you can get one for Jordan Howard if you want to. Obviously, some team's going to have some some value in Jordan Howard. Um, mm-hmm. But if they see, you know, going the free agent route, getting a star running back because they're so short on draft picks this year, because they have other needs they feel they want to use, I can see that as a route. I'm just, I, I'm not necessarily certain I agree with it. And I think there are some running backs out there in the draft to be had. I've been huge on Dexter Williams, and I think he'd be a great fit in this offense, not just because I'm a Notre Dame guy, but I think that's the route I'd be looking to go instead of signing a Kareem Hunt and then also having, you know, you're your running back the guy who you would plan on being in your offense be suspended for probably the first half of the season. Yeah, you make a good point. Running back position is usually where you can find the most late round value. Tariq Cohen, um, fourth round draft. Not, I was going to say Jordan not Howard, just fifth a, round draft pick. Not just round, a Tariq Cohen type, but yeah, a Jordan Howard type you get late late in the draft still. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think if you scout and find that talent, that's that's always the way to go because four years from now, three years from now it makes no sense to pay a running back anymore. Sorry, yeah. Matt Forte. Sorry, probably Jordan Howard. It They're just doesn't listening. make any sense to give long-term contracts to running backs who have given you four solid years. Unless Honestly, you do the, the see Steelers, a Todd Gurley-type ceiling, don't pay the guy. Even then, the Let Steelers someone kind of sent the blueprint for it. Like, all right, so we had you for what? It was five years, correct? Mm-hmm. And now we're going to tag you, and then we're going to tag you again. And we've now gotten you till you're. And 30. now you hate us, so we'll now, see. You. Now you hate us, but you're also thirty and on the downslide of your career. So okay, if you want the Colts to go pay you, you know, twenty two million a year, all right, cool. We'll go find the next James Conner. Like that's that's how you. As much as it sucks for running backs, that's mm-hmm. just kind of how. Like that's kind of the blueprint for them. Now there's no need if you're that team to give them the big contract. You just kind of tag them once or twice, and then once they get fed up, you let them walk. Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of a uh, lot of moving pieces, and uh, like you said, the Bears not exactly uh, enriched with draft picks this year. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to uh, make this roster better, even better than it was this mm-hmm. season. A um, couple last things to get here, Bears wise: Chuck Pagano, the new defensive coordinator, as uh, Vic Fangio ships off to Denver. Uh, my first thought here, and not to besmirch uh, Vic Fangio because the job he word. did. Cannot thank you. The job he did cannot be overstated. Ooh, with his can defense. we bring back Joe's uh, the the vocabulary word? Of the I think podcast? we just did. I, I think, think we, we just did. did. I kind of know what besmirches, but like enlighten me. Um, it's, it's like not, to be slanderous to, to, to be yeah. slanderous to one's name. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to drag. I, I don't want to drag. Uh, and it might even be just like in uh, due to past occurrence. I that think was one also, of those where like gun to my head, I would have known what it meant, but I'd rather just kind of, you know, be sure about it and get it from you. Okay. Uh, now, now when we do Joe's, um, uh, Joe's word of the day, are you going to look it up? So, so you can once every 80 episodes, tell me that I use the word wrong. No, I don't think so. Unless I really think you're, you're lying or don't necessarily get it or, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm probably going to be okay with it. Besmirch, a verb to damage the reputation of someone I or something you. in the opinion of others. Yeah, I, I just believed to, you. 
I just love how they write definitions. It's like the weird English major in me that like, it's always so proper. But yes, I don't want to be Mick Fangio's name because of the job that he did for the Bears. I don't think he's a head coach. We've heard the guy's yeah. 12 words. And, it was, and did you you're watch have press another conference? mute head coach in Denver. I think it's going to be very, very similar to what they had in Vance Joseph. I think that was, if Vic Fangio is going to be successful, I thought that was the place for it. You know, Denver, Denver has some defensive talent already in place, but I also thought like, okay, this is perfect if they're bringing in Gary Kubiak to just be the offensive guy. It's, it's basically the mirror image of what the Bears did last year. All right, we yeah. got Matt Nagy. You're the head coach, yes, but you know, your offense, you got this guy on the other side of the ball and knows exactly what he's doing. You know, you can talk to him. You, you can uh, you still control everything, but just kind of let him do his thing. You do yours, and it worked out really well. seemed like that was going to be the thing with Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, obviously a little bit more of an old-school type offensive guy, but you know, he, he's been effective in the league nonetheless and obviously has that Super Bowl with the Broncos and, and knew what he was doing, knew Denver obviously very well. And then out of nowhere, it's just, yeah – no, that's not going to happen. He's not coming here. The big uh, difference, though, Matt, the big difference, in, and I understand what you're saying, in bringing in a guy to, to um, but now carry that other that side guy of the ball. That's what I'm saying, which is and, it, and all the, the hot offensive talent, the, the offensive coordinators, the hot coordinator names are not available anymore. Whether or not they have that coordinator, someone's got to stand in front of the group at the end mm-hmm. of practice. I've never been there. I've never seen Vic Fangio and, and the way he deals with his group, but it sounds like. In everything that happened with the Bears, not only was he just a defensive coach, but you know he that was a mo- he was a motivator to that side of the ball. Let's see how you do when you're deciding what's on the lunch menu, when you're deciding how long practice needs to run, when you're parsing up practice into minutes, when you are um, setting the schedule for camp. There's so much more that goes into being a head coach that you gotta kind of have the Matt Nagy contagious. Uh, head coach attitude that I don't know what Vic Fangio has. I don't either, but I also won't. I'm not as critical of that side of him just simply because <laughs> I haven't been in that locker room. And the, the, mm-hmm. the personality these guys give off towards the media and, and all of that is oftentimes completely different from the one you see inside the locker room around the players and all that stuff. So while I, from what I've seen from Vic Fangio personally, yeah, I might be a little bit concerned as an outsider, but also the guys in that locker room and all that have never really had bad things to say about him. And as much as you mm-hmm. know, this is the first time he's the one, you know, doing all those smaller tasks, you don't necessarily always think about it as a head coach. He's also been coaching for, you know, forever and now like 30 some year, 20 years in the NFL. So it's not like yeah. he's completely foreign to this. It's not like he's a guy come you know, a, a coordinator from college or a head coach from college. who's never really had the schedule dealt with it. He's probably got a guy, a guy who's got a pulse, on his team and kind of knows what's going through, you know, their minds because he's been around it so often kind of see the warning signs of when a team might be dragging or when they might need some sort of a change up. Wishing Vic the best, but it's out of sight, out of also, mind. Also, as long we as are... Case Keenum's in their locker room, but <laughs> calling their signals, <laughs> it might, might not matter how good he is on yeah. defense. We are, uh, we're Pagano people now. We're on we're, to we're Chuck. Big time. I've always been, we're on to Chuck. What you we're say now, Chuck. Chuck? I've always been a Chuck fan. Um, I was worried for a total of like, I don't know, somewhere from 48 to 72 hours. Then they announced the Pagano signing. I think that this is going to, I don't want to say take this defense to the next level because what is the next level with how dominant they were this year. But I think this is, 
the perfect hire for them to continue their dominance. And you said maybe even get more aggressive on the yeah, defensive it's, side of it's the ball. Yeah, it's a defense. It's it's a hire that obviously it's a, it, it's not just promoting within. It's not keeping the status quo, which again wouldn't have been the worst decision because of how well they did last year. But this is an established guy. Uh, obviously, his stint as the head coach of the Colts didn't go all that well, but he was kind of dealing with a, a terrible general mm-hmm. manager. Didn't quite give him all that much talent, and not the not the greatest environment to succeed there. His time in Baltimore, I kind of and his health, more. his health, his health obviously, obviously wasn't didn't allow um, that, you know any sort of momentum there. Almost an impossible circumstance for him to come back into because I think it was that first year, and then Bruce Arians took over and did wonders with that team, that offense, and then. You know, Chuck Pagano had to come back, and I think if you asked anybody anybody in that front office, you know, if you gave them some truth serum, they, who they want rather have be their head coach going forward, they all probably would have said Bruce Arians. But you can't obviously do that after a guy coming back from cancer. Yeah. But I think he just I think he had some big shoes to fill coming back that might never have been able to have been filled. But it, the one chance he's really had to be a defensive coordinator was the it was the one year in Baltimore. And that one year of defensive coordinating there got him a head coaching job in Indy. So that's how good that year went for him. Um, and Vic did an awesome job with this defense. And this is not a knock on Vic Fangio at all. But Vic's style is a lot more you know, passive. They're going to run their stuff. They're not going to send as much pressure. And they're going to rely on you know their, their playmakers to, to make plays, go get the ball, be a little bit more conservative. Whereas Chuck Pagano is a lot more okay with sending the house, blitzing a lot more often, which I think with this – talent this group they have on defense it's going to be a lot of it's going to be even more fun to watch because they're going to take a lot more risks and i think with how good the talent is on that side of the ball you're going to see a lot of them you're also going to see a few more big plays happen probably hurt them because of it but i think it's going to be a lot more fun to watch because of how aggressive they're going to be under chuck Pagano. yep um i think it's going to be exciting to watch while we're on the topic of bears head coaches taking the steps to the next level and core excuse me bears coordinators taking the steps to the next Adam level Gase. What's going on, Adam Gase? When did he get weird? Because I got to be honest, when he was I, here, and I all don't that, remember like, he seemed him like being a pretty, weird. He seemed like a pretty normal guy. Uh, he didn't meet the. Media I always all took that him often, as like the cool offensive coordinator. Yeah, now, now he's, he's like, like. I don't know if being a head coach has done something to him, or if if like working Stockholm with syndrome, working with Jake Cutler and Ryan Tannehill broke his brain. <laughs> I don't really know. But gee, like oh. that—that that was the odd, most odd press conference I've ever seen. It was like someone might have slipped him like a half a Mickey before that press. Honestly, you think he was on? He was one. on. He was on a different planet. <laughs> that was something to watch. And uh, like of all places not, to do it in front of the New York about, Jets media. Yeah, if you're not, if you don't know what we're talking Google about, it was all over the place. Adam Google Gase Adam Gase eyeballs or Adam Gase press conference because he was googly eyes at oh his introductory God. press conference. Um, Thoughts and prayers, I think, is all you can say there. It was I, – I don't even know. I, you, get, you have to watch it. We can't describe it for you. Just go <laughs> pause the podcast, go watch the video, come back and talk to us. But that No was, words will do it justice. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause the podcast, go listen to it. But then come back. Be sure – actually, you know what? You already downloaded it, so if you don't come back. In three, two, and, and one. one. So you're back. How about so that? How about those how eyes? How about those googly eyes? Yeah. So uh, there's there's good real-time podcasting for you right there. Matt, some other stuff to get to here. Let's talk about the rest of the playoffs, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't, and uh, make some picks here. Um, we're not going to pick it because um, we have our, our bet going on here for the dozen golf balls. Uh, so we shout out us tied. for how well we've done. Yeah, we're currently tied at 3-1 and one for over the last three weeks. And uh, from this point on, we will be emailing our picks to a third party. But we can still talk about the matchup, see what we like, what we don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What uh, what did you make of let's let's start with the NFC side? Uh, last week's games or this week's line? This week's um, let's matchup. just move it. Let's just move ahead to this week's games. Uh, I'm just I'm excited to see these two again. Uh, yeah, they had that great matchup. What was it, week ten or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually on a flight home from Vegas, uh, and I watched that, and it was it was nice to get me through a, a tough flight home, to say the least. But I'm really excited <laughs> to see that matchup. I'm, I'm not sure teams are going to be able to go into the Superdome and win, so I, I tend to lean towards the Saints to take that game. But the overs at 57 and a half, I I think that's a lot of points for how well the Saints defense is playing, right? Yeah. And as well as the Rams have played at home. They've kind of been a different team on the road, and especially in that Superdome. So I, I think as much as I don't like betting unders, I think 57.5 is, is kind of a high total for these, team, these teams, don't you? I think so. I think that that's kind of right around where it would be. We'll see how this game – it all depends. I think the first 10 minutes is so huge in setting the tempo for these games. But to immediately contradict what I just said there, the Saints did not <laughs> impress me. For the last, like, 12 quarters of football, I felt like they lagged down the stretch, but then they found something in the second half when, when they came back against the Eagles there. They looked like the Saints again. If they can maintain that, I think it's the Saints by by a good amount of points here because, like you said, just so hard to go in there and play. And Goff has not been great. He has not been a Super Bowl caliber quarterback and he's still making mistakes he's still not you know hitting all the open receivers so i I definitely give the advantage here to new orleans yeah uh, i i'm with you there i think when it comes down to these types of playoff games these types of matchups you you touched on it there with jared goff i think you look at the quarterback matchup i think both of these teams have solid defenses obviously the saints is playing a little or playing a little bit better at this point but the the rams defense obviously with with aaron donald that front seven is, is really good as well um, you look at the quarterbacks, you look at the one who's, who's been here before, who's been in this stage, and, and Jared Goff has now played two playoff games. And he, he lost the one to the Fal- or the was it the Eagles or the Falcons? Falcons last year. And then against Dallas, I mean, he looked fine, but that game was won because of how well they ran the football. And I don't think they're going to be able to run the football mm-hmm. all over the Saints like they did against Dallas. And if, if you're asking Jared Goff to go make some plays, make some big-time throws and win them this game, I'm not sure he can outduel Drew Brees, especially with the Saints defense that's playing as well as anybody. Yeah, I, I think it, it's going to be a great game, no doubt, but uh, that home field advantage might prove to be too much. On the AFC side, Matt, I think we're in store for a classic. And just the storyline on the AFC side, the young future of the league, mm-hmm. probable MVP quarterback going against the grizzled veteran who is just defying all the odds. It's not Tom, Tom versus the versus the Chiefs. It's Tom versus time. And last week, they come out and absolutely look like the Patriots of old. Were you that we're not, shocked? We're stupid. I was not shocked at all. I, I, some people were. Some people were shocked. I, I was not floored. I, said I it, thought that would be a game, but I was not floored to see the Patriots come out and do that. I've said it on air for the last two months because when January, December rolls around, Tom Brady demands things from his team and his team usually responds. And I will be the last person to write off the New England Patriots. A hundred percent. I will I will not choose I, I will never look at Tom Brady and say there's no chance that they win this football game. It's in Foxborough. Now whether you think it's a flawed system and it should be in Kansas City because No, the game's in Kansas City. It's in, excuse me, it's in Kansas yeah. City. 
um, what are, what was I reading the other day that it was in, or I was, is the, I mean, the, the original the game in week three or whatever it was, was in Fox. That was the one reading on that. Yeah. Whatever it may be, Tom's going to go in there and give his, his team a really good chance to win. And if they perform the way that they, they did last week, I think they walk out of Kansas city with a win because they're not going to make a mistake and they're going to wait and wait and wait. And if the defense plays, they're eventually the Kansas city chiefs are eventually going to make a mistake. Yeah. The, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the chiefs are a fantastic football team. And I, I think we saw that throughout the year, but they're not the same team that was lighting the world on fire, you know, weeks one through five, where, you know, Mahomes was putting up 35 points in the first half. That offense hasn't been the no same. No one knew Mahomes how to numbers. They, yeah, now they, we now we got a little film. There's on a it. blueprint. There's some film, and it's it's still Bill Belichick against Andy Reid, a, a matchup that Bill Belichick has been fairly dominant in throughout his coaching career. And I I think it's going to be a lot of a fun game. I, I know in the last game I said over 57 and a half looks like a lot. In this game, I think over 55 is is pretty good total. I think I'd be Safe. taking that over yeah. um, because I don't think the Chiefs' defense is all that great, and I do think. Whether or not they win the game, Patrick Mahomes is still going to get his to an extent. But the Patriots, man, they're, there's you said it. And there's so many people who want to be the first ones out here to be, you know, oh, I called the, the downfall of the Patriots. I was the one, you know, I first said this was it for them. I will never be that guy. I will never be no. the guy who says they're dead, they're done before Tom Brady is retired not playing football, before Bill before Belichick he's retired, is out Before he's in the ground. Whatever. <laughs> exactly. Would you write off them randomly signing him after retirement week eight one year to come back and resurrect him? No. We need Tom, you, Tom. I will never write them off as long as Tom Brady is under center. And it's, I just it's pictured... Just, I just I pictured Tom it. Brady. I just pictured I it, Tom Brady on the boat like, uh, like Bruce Wayne. During the dark night, when when the city needs him, when Gotham needs him, and he's on yeah. the boat with all the models and mm-hmm. with uh, Alfred, and he he dives off of the boat and then gets on like the the water plane. That's going to be Tom Brady, like jumping off a boat um, to go save his team week ten, three years from now. It's going to be I fantastic. Could see, I could see that. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a great weekend of football. Always enjoy. Now the Patriots weekend. have been a different team on the road in the playoffs. Under even with Tom, even with Belichick, they have not been the same on the road. And that, I think that will factor into this, but I still can't, I'm not sure I can think that the Patriots are ever going to lose or get blown out until they actually do. Right. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Isn't this um, eight consecutive AFC title games for them too? I, I think I heard is. today. That's just in the, in the one sport where it's supposed to be impossible to do this, where it's supposed to be impossible to have a dynasty. You have arguably the best dynasty in the history of sports. And I'm sorry, but not to just go full Brady stand here. The rosters haven't been that good. They haven't been great no. rosters for eight straight years. Yeah, there's a couple juggernauts in there. The but last two years, I especially. think this just amplifies the winning spirit of Tom Brady. And I hope that we look back on it, not jaded, but with the reverence of like, what what did I just witness? Like, I will be proud to tell my kids that I got to watch Tom Brady in his career. Like, it's like, it's how the previous generations talk about Montana. Like Mm -hmm. we're watching greatness. And if you can't step back and enjoy it, you're just selling yourself short. Yeah. There will always be those people who root against Tom Brady, who don't want to see the dynasty continue. And I get that if you don't, if you know, if you like seeing the little guy beat the, beat the giant, but at the end of his career, when, when it's all said and done, if you can't say like, wow, that was awesome. I really appreciate what I just watched. Even if you weren't really rooting for him, I don't really get, you know, how your sports fandom to an extent. Now, you might not have wanted him to win, but not being able to acknowledge how 
what you just watched is, is amazing to me. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff this weekend, no doubt. Um, we got some some other topics to get here, Matt. I think. Uh, oh no, we were going to give people a pick because we're emailing our picks back and forth to each other. Oh yeah, we can give someone just just a little sweetener here. Just a little sweetener doesn't have anything to do with the contest, but just if you're if you're looking to put your shekels somewhere tonight. Yeah, because why don't you had your you had one picked out? Already, yes. So, so if you want to look at the board, I got one here, and this is just a this is a bonus for those who listen to Moose and Runes the mm-hmm. day of. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate you guys because this is a we game do. that um, will be going off tonight. Warriors visiting the Denver Nuggets. That's number one versus number two in the Western Conference. The Warriors are laying just one. Yes, they are on the road. Yes, they are playing a very good team. Um, they have been a little bit deficient at times, but I think this is a game. Uh, halfway through the season where they kind of put their foot down and they say, hey, Denver, we appreciate your time, but uh, we're the one seed here. We're the Warriors. We're the defending champions. We've won back-to-back. We're looking to make it three straight. I think this is a statement game tonight out of the Warriors. They cover that one easy money. I am, I'm going to go to the college ranks. I'm with you. I, I think I actually might uh, in, invest on that line myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Notre Dame Fighting Irish are visiting Ooh. the North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm going the other side of this, though. Okay. <laughs> um, no- Notre Dame has a lot of young talent that I think they're going to be good in a couple years. They're they're not that right now, though. Uh, North Carolina's coming off uh, kind of an embarrassing loss at home to Louisville on Saturday, and I think they're going to be out for blood a little bit here. They're giving 13 to Notre Dame, uh, and and I like the North Carolina side of that. I, again, I, Mike Bray is a fantastic coach. Notre Dame is very young. They they have I think three or four freshmen that are you know in their rotation. Uh, they're very important parts of it. But I don't think they're good enough to to compete with an angry North Carolina team tonight in Chapel Hill. So I take the Tar Heels minus thirteen against the Fighting Irish. I don't like betting on college athletes. So get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I bet uh, on the United States Army and Army Navy. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, Matt. We uh, we kind of delved into it here a little bit. We're we're on to basketball. Um, some some big time. Uh, some some scan. Not one called scan. You got some, some headlines. Yes, some, some headlines. Drama, some drama coming some out of the Golden One game. Center last night. Um, Iman Shumper trying to get Chicago into the Portland. Guy. That's right. You don't you don't mess with Chicago. Tough. Um, trying to get into the Portland Trailblazers locker room after yesterday's win over Portland. Uh, this is a uh, this is a rift that started uh, early in this game yesterday, but even prior to that, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Nurkic. If I'm saying that correctly, Yusuf um, Nurkic, you're correct. Yeah, he went. He had a five by five. He had at least five points or statistics in five different statistical categories the last time they played. So kind of the key to this one, and they were talking about a pregame, was stopping him, and they were doing that. In the first few minutes, they were really frustrating him. He set a dirty pick on Iman, and when you look at it, it was high, it was hard, and there was a rogue knee out there too. Iman popped up because it took it took Iman to the ground, and Iman popped up and was in his grill. They kept playing. It was chippy the rest of the night. Um, Iman was not happy after the game, and uh, NBA security had to keep him from uh, working his way into Portland's locker room. So it was tense, definitely, and I saw it happen, and Iman was not posturing. He was someone who looked like he was going in there to make a point, and he just kept saying, I want to talk to him. I just want to talk to him. Like, we got to play this game like professionals. I want to talk to him. He kept saying to this guy, and um, NBA security, it was fantastic, and everyone kind of got a kick out of it at the end, but... 
that and one thing that Shump always talks about is energy and fostering the right energy in the locker room and letting people know that you know we're not messing around we're not here just to win a couple games and try and get a lottery pick anymore this is this is a different era when it comes to Kings basketball and he talks about the contagiousness of that energy well that energy that he put out there yesterday was contagious because there was a near fight in the media room um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, these two guys are gonna go nameless but did you get in the middle of them? I, I did not because I you had a 10:50 deadline, but um, and it was about 10:30, and I was writing and still editing some video there. And uh, we had uh, we had a columnist and a photog from uh, differing publications, nose to nose, because they did not like uh, the way things went in a, in a scrum in the locker room after the game. So uh, there was definitely some some tension at Golden One. Be last careful night. over there, Joe. I don't. You, you gotta. I, you got to protect this, that face. You can't hey, this be, you King's know. press pool is not one to be messed with. I'm just all saying, right? that's all your we're face saying. is your moneymaker. You can't be you know, taking too many risks over there. I, I'd that's why, the yeah, a couple guys. Sit in the back guys, corner of the media room. You stay away from those locker rooms if you have to. Oh, you don't have you to find, tell me twice. Find a younger guy to find an intern to go hold that microphone up for you. I mean, you, couple you guys need to protect that up. face. A couple guys popped up to get between these two because it would have escalated if, it did, if someone didn't get in the middle of it. I was not the one to get in the middle of it. So, oh, yeah, you, you can't. Know. There's just there's just you a different tension when two grown men are are chest to chest. Oh, it's 100 uh, percent different. But we're not looking for a we're not looking for a battery charge here. Um, that's that's just not uh, that's just not in the cards right now. Not to change the subject, but I, I just refreshed <laughs> ESPN.com, Joe, and okay. the second headline almost gave me a mini heart attack. It said Kane out until early March with ligament injury. Please and I was, it, it was not even a Vander. It is Harry Kane of the top oh, okay. of Tottenham. And I was like, what? <laughs> hot Spurs. can you give me a first name here, please? Like I get that, you know, ESPN doesn't give, you know, care that much about hockey, but if Patrick Kane were sidelined for the Blackhawks right now, obviously the season's not going as, as well as I thought it might, or we, we hoped it might, but geez, that gave me a heart attack. They would have been unwatchable for, you know, until March. Um, you talk about a possible, near miss there or whatever you're talking about. Um, but let's get into some Hawks here. I think, um, you know, the headlines that made it out this far West were just the success of Kane and, uh, he's very good there with the Brinkett. And they were, uh, I saw, I believe it was Pat Boyle making the, uh, the comparison, the allusion to, you know, just the success that he had with, um, with Panarin during that short step. Yeah. We've kind of, uh, Kane and DeBrinket haven't been on the same line like Panarin and Kane were throughout, but they are, uh, they're out both on the first power play unit. Mm-hmm. And since those two have gotten going out, you even, you know, would know this living out there as, as long as you have. And but from following the Hawks, um, you know, throughout Joel Quenville's run throughout that dominant run, the, the one thing that always seemed to be lacking was their power play, despite all the talent they had on it, was always pretty abysmal. It, it never really got much yeah. above, you know, top 15 in the league. Since those two have kind of gotten it going, I think that's last night snapped a streak of five consecutive games with a power play goal, and it's essentially just been Kane finding Debrinket for the one-timer across the ice. Debrinket's filled the role of what Panarin did there and what Patrick mm-hmm. Sharp kind of did on that, that left side throughout his career of just being the right-handed shot that can fire one by you pretty quickly and be accurate with it. So those two are, are absolutely rolling. As bad as the Hawks have looked at times this year, I, I'm back on the there's still a bright future ahead because Patrick Kane's 30 and he's putting up statistically, I believe he's on pace to beat his 2016 MVP season totals, which is pretty pretty darn good and Alex Dabrinkit is scoring at an elite rate I think he's the like 
he's in the, the top 50 quickest to 50 goals in NHL history, which is obviously top 50 doesn't sound like that great, but with, of all the people who have played NHL hockey, that's that's pretty good company to be in. So there, there's some reason to be optimistic. They're not going to make the playoffs this year in all likelihood. But uh, those two at least have been very fun to watch, and Patrick Kane is clearly trying to do everything he possibly can to put this team on his back and drag them to the playoffs. With all of that said, Matt, and those statistical projections being greater than his MVP season, is this another year where he will be in that conversation? He'll be in the conversation because he's Patrick Kane, and uh, obviously that name is very well respected and rightfully so throughout the league. I'm just not sure he's going to be able to score at the pace to keep up with some of the league leaders. Uh, I think eventually he'll he'll be in the top five voting, maybe even the top three. But, I mean, you got, let's see, Kane is one, two three four he's a c6 in the nhl in points right now if he he keeps going he's got a chance but nikita kucherov down in tampa that team is far and away the best team in the nhl he has 75 points for them this year so that's going to be a a tough one to catch but uh if he keeps it up this base he'll absolutely absolutely be in the voting but with the team being what it is it's Mm. still going to be hard to win an mvp with a team that probably doesn't make the playoffs now if they do make the playoffs if they get dragged in because Kane put up 115 points, then I think it's a different story. But right now I would say, no, don't bet on him to win the, win the MVP. It's good intel right there. Uh, a couple other quick topics before we get into some segments. Uh, Machado watch in full fever, the Sox, couple different reports on what they offered him, but there is an offer on the table. Yeah. So the, the offer that was reportedly on the table for Machado, I believe it was Hector Gomez and Jeff Passan were the ones who tweeted it on Sunday night it was eight years, two fifty, which is, mm-hmm almost immediately shot down by Bob Nightingale to say that the, the Sox haven't gone over seven years. Either way, that annual AV or whatever seven, is going to be. I believe the set number was, number was like 200 for seven or something. Yeah, the, the AAV is still going to set records in all likelihood. And uh, yeah. th- those who are saying you know the Sox are being cheap by not going up to eight, no, they're not. They're still offering an insane amount of money. Uh, I would tend to believe Bob Nightingale's report, while he's not always the most accurate, when it comes to Sox and Cubs stuff, He's usually their mouthpiece, especially Kenny Williams throughout the time. He's almost always been the guy Kenny goes to with reports when he wants something out there, and they usually tend out to be pretty accurate. So I believe that the Sox are still stuck on seven, not to say they won't go up to eight, but at this point I I think that was more of a leverage play because the the, uh, Phillies had a great meeting with Bryce Harper. The well, I forget the Manny's agent, but probably saw he was losing some leverage and, and probably tried to leak out this report to see if somebody wouldn't come up to or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I, I still think you, you see him kind of by default uh, because the Yankees seemingly pulled out of it. The, the Phillies are more focused on Bryce Harper as of now. I, I think kind of by default you see Manny Machado in a White Sox uniform. Uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be mad at it, not, not by any means. Um, I would I take that, it. I would take that. I think that that's, you know, as you said, too, largely the direction that it's um, that it's moving. What do you say we jump into a little buy or sell here, Matt? Uh, let's do it. Why don't you start? All right, Matt. Um, really fantastic stuff we're seeing out of the Houston Rockets, specifically James Harden, breaking Kobe Bryant's record of most consecutive 30-point games, which absolutely blows my mind. 17 consecutive games with 30-plus points. He had 52, I believe, last night with 36 in the first half, scoring at an unbelievable clip. Buy or sell, James Harden 30-point streak is the most underrated sports story going right now. I mean, I'll probably one-up you. I think James Harden might go down as one of the more underrated, underappreciated players to ever play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll buy that, and I'll, I'll buy my one-up because I just – 
he's playing in an era where unfortunately he's with LeBron, he's with what the Warriors were doing. There, there's a lot going on. Um, and he's playing with a team that obviously hasn't been able to get over that hump yet because of the, the competition he's had to go up against. And it, if he were in a different era, if he were you know five years earlier, we might be talking about how he's one of the better players to ever play basketball would be he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because of your your Stephs, your KDs, LeBrons, all that. But uh, I'll absolutely buy it. I think James Harden might be the most fun player in basketball to watch at this point, even if he does kind of have a different set of rules for him, which also I, I tend to believe that's why he's what makes him so good is because refs like LeBron have kind of given this player a different set of rules to play by, which I, I think is a, is a sign that you know the NBA, the refs believe in this guy too. But I'll buy that 100%. I love watching James Harden. I think he is absolutely the most underrated player. This is a very underrated streak. Thirty straight, excuse me, 17 straight games with 30 plus points is unreal. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely astounding what he's able to do from a scoring standpoint. Now we'll see how long he can maintain this, and if uh, you know he's got the gas to finish it like he couldn't last year in the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals. If in that moment he can put up the 30 that they need. Yeah, I, I think, I forget where I saw it, it was on Twitter, an article, but this is kind of putting the spotlight directly back on Chris Ball with how good they've been without him. I know the regular season's a totally different animal from the playoffs, but if they come back and kind of can't find it and Chris Ball isn't great throughout the playoffs and end up losing again, I mm-hmm. think that might be fair or not, a further indictment on his kind of inability to get the job done or even be healthy when they need him. Yeah. Hit me, Matt. Um, did you see the new uh, the, the shoes Jason Tatum's going to be rocking? Uh, I, I did. I'm actually looking tonight. at them right now. There, what, what's the name of them since he got it open? Because I forgot the, the name. Nike Hyper Adapt Two Point Something. Give me two there. Seconds. You go. Uh, whatever the uh, Nike, the new Nike Hyper Adapts. Joe, they're, they're, they don't have laces. Uh, they're built, I believe, with you know no fiber. laces. Very uh, basically intertwining. Um, very fibers. Marty McFly. Very I think McFly. they're actually based off that. Yeah, right. So I never. Oh, saw but the this movie is either. okay. This is the so they've done an iteration of the Marty McFly's, and then they did a Nike Hyper Adapt. This is the Nike Hyper Adapt BB, so it's supposed okay, to be the basketball sure. low top. Gotcha. Either way, um, they, they don't have laces. They have those intertwining fibers that basically tighten. I, I believe I saw from a, a small motor inside the shoe. You adjust the tightness uh, through an app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, buy or sell. Oh, I'm going to give you two parts here. Buy or sell a these shoes, and B the Celtics letting their young superstar who pretty much their future hinges on being the guinea pig for these shoes. Um, a two part buy or sell. Got to, yeah. got to think about this. The, the second I, part's the bonus. Cause I just thought like, if you're talking about literally buying the shoe, I'd like yeah. to, it's an I awesome looking shoe. shoe from it's an aesthetic standpoint. It's great. Um, I'm trying to look for a, uh, trying to look for a ticket price here. It's probably going to be upwards of like 250 bucks, 200 bucks in that region. Cause uh, they're selling the, they're selling their normal shoes for a buck eighty now. Um, the the player signature shoe, so I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a two hundred and thirty dollars shoe. But it's a sharp shoe. It's cool technology. Is Nike it Nike Adapt no. BB? Excuse me, I, I found a price here. Don't mean to interrupt you, but you want to okay. know that the Nike Adapt BB launches in February for a retail price of three hundred and fifty dollars. See, get, yeah, get out of my face with that. I can yeah, tie my I'll, own shoes and uh, have an extra two hundred in my pocket. But um, like any new technology, VCRs cost a thousand or DVD players cost a thousand dollars when they first came out. I I don't think this is the future of shoe technology. Um, It's a cool little gimmick. I don't need to tighten my shoes via my phone. What worries me 
and stay with me here because we're going to go a little sure, um, we're we're go a little you. conspiracy theory. The shoes what's are going to take over like the robots. What's preventing someone from hacking Jason Tatum's shoe and suffocating his foot with a minute left in the game? Huh? There you go. Huh? Huh? I'm with I, I I don't disagree <laughs> with you. I don't trust technology like this. I'm very anti a lot of things technology like you know the self driving car and all that stuff. I think this mm-hmm. is just another step. I'd be terrified of it. Another I think step? somehow, <laughs> some way, some uh, Jesus, Joe. <laughs> I think somehow, some way, someone's going to find. Take, I, I'm paranoid about technology like this, and while it probably loosen his shoe right when he elevates, it probably amounts to nothing. If we're being totally honest, and is, is a non-factor, but I would be worried about it, and I don't think I'd want my star player, my star 19-year-old, you know, Mister Everything, who does it all, who's the future of the Boston Celtics, be wearing these shoes. Call me old-fashioned, Joe, but I'd rather t- have have my superstar tying his shoes. And I think it says something about the fact that Jason Tatum is going to be the only guy really wearing this one. If you go on other people's um, you know, social media, all the Nike guys are plugging them. De'Aaron Fox has had a couple posts over the last couple of days plugging these shoes. He's still going to come out in Kobe 9s every night. You know, He loves the high top, Kobe 9, great shoe. But like, you're not going to get guys to change their ways unless it's a superior product or you're backing up the Brinks truck for them, which they might be doing for Jason Tatum. It is a cool-looking shoe. I will give them that. Yeah. I, I, I like the look of the shoe. But um, but I guess if I'm painting with a broad rush, brush, I'm selling it largely because of that $350 ticket. There you go. Hey, All right, if Matt, you sell those for $350, you'll make some good money, am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Matt, uh, the Kyler Murray saga taking another step yesterday, um, yesterday being the – Deadline to enter names into the NFL draft. Kyler Murray did so, so he will be attending the NFL draft. This does not end his uh, possibility of joining the Athletics. He was the ninth overall pick last year mm-hmm. of the Oakland A's. They let him go back to school because you know his draft stock wasn't all that high. Now with a Heisman in hand, people are projecting him late first round. That's a whole other conversation. I don't think Kyler Murray is an NFL quarterback. We can get into that at another time if you want to. But he is going to try his hand, at least give scouts a look. The only thing that makes a huge difference here is that the dates don't jive. He was supposed to report February 12th, February 15th to A's uh, That's my birthday, the 12th. Something around there. So right around your birthday, he was supposed to report to camp. The draft isn't until April. Or excuse me, the combine isn't until April. Or when's the combine? Um, uh, the combine the is draft is in April. I don't remember. I think the combine uh, is probably combine in March is, at some point. The dates don't jive, so he's going to have to essentially, you know, give the money back to the A's, give the four point six million dollars signing bonus back to the A's. What he tried doing is he gave them an ultimatum the day before because the MLB visited him, um, a bunch of marketing dudes and, and some A's guys visited him two days ago, saying, you know, we want to make this work. What's it going to take? And he said he wanted a spot on the forty man in a major league uh, contract. He was trying to leverage the situation there. They didn't bite. He, he's going to the combine. Matt, I, buy or sell, and this is go ahead. A very long buy or sell. Yeah, it's, it's buy a or sell question. Kyler Murray's decision to go into the NFL draft. I'm going to buy it because uh, obviously he got what was it four? You said four or five million in a four point six six. If he's a first round pick, which he's going to be a first round pick, whether you think he's an NFL quarterback or not, somebody I, I believe is going to take a risk on him because this league is so quarterback driven. And with his success in college, seeing you know, I know he's a different quarterback from Baker Mayfield, but seeing what Baker Mayfield did in college, seeing Kyler Murray do even better than that, and then Baker being so good coming out of the draft, I do think you're going to see someone take a risk on him. Um, it's 
it makes sense because if Oakland's not going to guarantee you 40-man roster spot and a certain amount of money, being a first-round draft pick in the NFL does. And there's all these people saying, oh, he's giving up so much guaranteed money, and he's actually not. I mean, if he was a pitcher, I think it'd be a whole different story. And I'd tell him, you know, dude, stick stick with it because if you make it up, you know, to the big leagues as a pitcher, you can be a crappy reliever and still make $4 million a year. Um, but, but with what he's given, with what he's projected to be, you know, I'm fine with him taking this risk and trying to play football. I don't think the money's all that much different if he turns out being a pretty good or an average quarterback. I mean, quarterbacks get paid way above more than what they're worth and you know, way above market value, whatever, to go to go get. And even if he's not that great, the way quarterbacks are protected in the league, I don't think he's putting that much risk into his body and all that stuff either, much more than he would be in baseball. So I, I buy it. I'm fine with it. That's what he wants to do if that's where his heart is. I don't think the financial decision is all that different. Uh, I know I asked you, but I'm selling on it. You look at slots 20 through 32 last year in the NFL draft, just to go off of what you were saying there, um, 11 million to 9 million were what those four, four year contracts went for. Now, I don't think four years from now, Kyler Murray is in an NFL uniform. He does not have the physical makeup to be an NFL quarterback. It's just not going to work. There is zero example of a guy his size. Now, uh, he does have a rare skill set, but there is zero example of a guy his size having extended success in the league. You're just not going to be able to do it. I'm sorry. Sometimes it's just not set up for you. And I think Kyler Murray can have an amazing baseball career, and he's an amazing athletic talent. But you're not going to point to a guy who's five foot nine and say, "Go win me twelve football games this year." He's five foot nine on the roster, which means leads me to believe he's somewhere from five seven to five eight. It's not going to example of someone that size having success in the league before. I'd love to watch it work because it'd be something we'd never seen before, and I'm always looking for that in sports. But you're going to have to, you're going to, seeing is believing, and I haven't seen it yet. I'm a sizist when it comes to my quarterbacks. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Russell Wilson. He's smaller than both of them. And I I think he's going to be exposed for what he is at the NFL level if he does get that opportunity. Now, if he sits behind someone for two, three years, how they do with these rookie quarterbacks nowadays, uh, which I think is the right way to do it, he is further stunting his professional baseball growth. You can play, you're, you're looking at guys, 30-year-olds, 33-year-olds, getting two-year, $25 million deals these days. The money is in baseball. His future is in baseball. He's only stunting his growth from a baseball standpoint. His future in baseball is in baseball if he's good. I mean, until you've actually hit major league pitching and, and been, you know, in a played pro baseball and know how you're going to fare against him, you don't know how your career is going to be. And even if it does go well, he's not a guy who projects to be up right away. So he's going to be toiling in the minor leagues for three or four years. Well, that might stunt his growth. If he personally thinks he's got a shot and he's been told he's got a shot in the NFL, I mean, I'm not terribly high on, uh, for the reasons you said, because he's, you know, a five, nine, five, eight quarterback. We've never seen that really work out in the NFL or really even tried. I'm not saying I yeah. think he's going to be great in the NFL, but if he thinks he's got that chance, if he thinks he, he has a chance mm-hmm. to find lightning in a bottle in the right system with the right coach, I mean, this is the time, this is the era of the NFL where if it's going to work, this is the time it would be. And if, if he thinks he's, there's a match there for him if he thinks in the right situation he's got a better quicker chance to succeed in football and if that's where his heart is i can't blame the kid Uh, uh, there's more money in baseball if it works but i'm not sure that 
he can't really make serious money for like seven years. The, wherever the A's have control, he could if, so he, could if he got the A's. If he, if he got this, whatever, yeah. it, you can obviously make more money. But those are again one year deals, and while they're guaranteed. I mean, Chris Bryant, who is as good of a baseball player as there is in arbitration, is making you know ten million dollars, which is yes, that's a lot of money, but that's I mean, Baker or Kyler Murray would have to be that type of a player to make ten million dollars for one year. I mean, that's how arbitration works. Whereas if he has you know two good years in the NFL or whatever, if he sits for a couple of years, has one really good year, he's going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. The thing about the money in baseball is when you sign on the dotted it's line, all guaranteed. it's all yours. Hundred percent, it's all but, yours. And honestly, I think, Joe, with, I think with what the we're way seeing NFL right contracts now, are trending, though, I mean, Kirk Cousins, the, when he signed on the dotted line, yeah. that money's all his. His contract's fully guaranteed. So, I mean, the, obviously, I don't. They're think, not giving a rookie a fully guaranteed contract. No, I know, but what I'm saying is, if he's able to, you know, I, I don't. He might not be a guy who starts right away, but if he's a guy who has a good first couple of years and becomes a free agent, gets to that point, he's going to find somebody who wants to guarantee him all that money. I just don't. I don't know what anyone sees. I don't. I am not seeing it. I am not seeing a guy who has top level NFL talent. He's I'm a freak sure athlete that either. he makes it happen. I'm he's, not sure. He's got to stand in the pocket. He's got to adapt his game. I always go to Russell Wilson as the example here. He's got to run less and pass more. I don't know if that's what we're going to see. I think what we're seeing right now is a 21-year-old kid making a decision in the short term rather than the long term. And I think it's going to come back to bite him because I think his ceiling is much, much higher in the MLB. I've never seen him play baseball, and I'm not going to act like he has, but from kind of what I've read about his prospect is obviously pick number nine in the draft. You're seeing very There high, are but- two catchers in the league that will be able to throw this kid out today. He could steal 40 bags in his sleep. That's fine, but I mean, if you can't do much more than stealing bags, I mean, I, Terrence Gore is the guy who can steal any base he tries to steal for the Cubs. You got to get on base to do it. I, I think you made a good point that you know seeing major league pitching will be the biggest adjustment for mm-hmm. him there. Everything else is figured out. He'll cover both gaps. He'll steal bags. You just got to get him on base. And I think that if he takes three years to go soil his football oats here, it's going to get even harder for him to adapt to major league pitching. Wouldn't this be a great decision to have, though, if you're him? Like, oh, am I going to go make $4 million here and then get paid a pretty nice yeah, salary? Don't screw baseball, it up. Or am I going to go make, you know, sign a $14 million contract in the NFL? Because I wish I had that problem. Yeah, it'd be a great problem to have, but you don't want to be 10 years from now, the conversation be, remember Kyler Murray? Which and I think that's be. what it could be. So, um, but that's, I think that's all Time we got on the Moose and Runes podcast. No, I, I, had one, I had another buyer. You got one more? Yeah. Hit I me. wanted to talk about the, uh, the White House visit last night and all the, the delicious oh, of course. food that was offered. Of course. We must, I, I have a you must finish it on a culinary You're note. a, you're a, you know, you're pinky in the air kind of guy and probably scoffed at it. Didn't really like the, the idea would be my guess, but it Joe was Biden, a fantastic spread. You've I don't never care seen about, a spread I like don't, this. I don't care who provided the spread or who whatever i'm not talking politics about the man aside who gave it, to it was a delectable delight for all of these great football players buy, buy or sell the fast food feast for the clemson football team see that alliteration i just gave you there fast that's food feast sounds good that's yeah, good. good um i'm gonna buy it just because like really like, i would have thought you for sure sold it I don't know. you know these guys have worked all season monitored their diets uh, put themselves in a position to go up against the quote-unquote greatest team of all time and then embarrass them. Clemson deserves a double-double. Clemson deserves a little KFC. The fact that it was President Trump putting the spread on for them because of the government shutdown 
is so laughable that I, I can do nothing but buy this situation. I um, loved it. If I walked into that room and saw a, a hell of a lot of McDonald's and Burger King as a college football player or whatever, as a college student, I'd have been thrilled. I mean, these I kids, just picture, it, I just picture someone coming up to the president like, like three hours before they were set to arrive, and be like, oh, "President President Trump, we don't we don't have anything for them to eat. The, the here, staff's not here because of the shutdown." And he said, "He he just hands whoever this here, aid here's, was like here's three blank dollars and said, here's three blank checks, them, one one to McDonald's, one to Wendy's, one to Burger King. Go buy their menu. Of, get them all of my favorites is what he told them, and then they all uh, then they came back with this smorgasbord of uh, how many caloric nightmare? How many fillet of fishes do you think got eaten?" Like three. There was probably like a hundred filet of fishes. Over, three of them over, under, over under two and a half. All by Paul from accounting. Let me ask, Joe, what would you, if you if you were in that position in that line, what are you grabbing? I mean, you, you had every what Burger were the, King. I saw KFC. Yeah, I, saw I saw Burger King. King, King, King I saw McDonald's Wendy's. Wendy's. Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, KFC. Um, I mean, I probably, probably bring a little trail mix for myself if that's if that's the are you kidding me <laughs> um no it, it, it all depends like you went all california a, on a sorry there's no in and I've out ne- i haven't show. i haven't eaten fast food for the last i haven't eaten fast food since i graduated from wesleyan and i would only eat fast food drunk at wesleyan like, i've I never been not more a fast food eater. to like, talk to you disgusts me Get the hell out of here uh, what who are you make yourself a freaking sandwich like why the Do cheeseburger is delicious. McDonald's get, breakfast is delicious. Go get Chipotle. I don't know. I, I could. Sometimes yes, I want McDonald's, a cheeseburger. No, we've had this conversation before. McDonald's breakfast is a completely different entity. I'll What's eat McDonald's food? breakfast whenever. Now, I I'll will say I, I have not uh, – I pretty much tend to – part of it is living in the city, not in the suburbs where they're more readily available. For the most yeah. part, my fast food consumption is limited to more breakfast. But I'm not afraid where, you know, if, if I want to drive down the street to McDonald's or if I roll past the Burger King or if I'm in the suburbs and want something to eat and see Wendy's, I'm not afraid to go drive in there. You sound like uh, you'd be I'll offended still, still if I said, a, let's stop at Wendy's. I'll still have a Wendy's because they're, they're, they're cooked fresh. You know, you're getting, they're cooked fresh. Um, you I'm know a Burger easy. King guy. See, it's I'm just a not. King guy. It's all disgusting. It's all it's disgusting. Not disgusting. It's if all you delicious. Made it, if you're asking what my order would be, my old school Burger order King's flame at, broiled. <laughs> my order at McDonald's when I was younger was um, a quarter pound of the cheese, double quarter pound double of the cheese, feeling the, frisky. I was was I, never a Big Mac guy. I, so if there were Big Macs, Macs there, I like go a different bun, direction. I don't like the bun in the middle. I don't really. I don't need that. I don't need the extra bread. I'm, I'm watching my carbs, Joe. Uh, take out that middle bun. Watching I think your you're, you're, so you're a flame. A lot of, so Burger King is definitely the route you want to go, man. Yeah, flame broiled burger. It's it's uh, it's it's a no doubter. Uh, hey, Moose, no, Moose and Runes listeners, do yourself a favor. Have a salad this afternoon. Maybe throw a little don't. grilled chicken on that salad. I I don't mind a grilled chicken Caesar salad, but you know, go to just go to McDonald's. Maybe treat yourself. It's it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's the worst day of the week. It's Tuesday. Go have yourself a nice little lunch. <laughs> Oh, it is Tuesday, and there is uh, there is nothing but opportunity that sits in front of us here, Moose and Runes listeners. We hope that you guys attack the week, have a wonderful week. Um, it, it's going to be another good one. Uh, soak up all these last football moments. Can we, we just in the middle of the off season? We hit a drought in the middle of the off season. Can we just have like a practice football preview show so we can just talk football and only football? Like we can air it and all that. That'd be fun, or we but. could get really into what's this new thing, the American Alliance of. Football. Ooh, like we're definitely going to talk about that. I can't wait. To, it's football in the off season. I'm totally going to watch it. Can, can you imagine all the like, random, the random names from college that you haven't seen in so long? That they're like speaking of oh, one, man, I got a couple connections. Orlando, whatever. Ooh. Yeah, I got a couple connections. Um, we can might you get be me able on to. A sideline? 
we might be able to score an interview or two, a couple ex-Nebraska guys uh, trying their hand. Chicago kid, Jordan Westerkamp, uh, he will oh, be yeah, playing. from uh, Montini, right? Yeah, from Montini, set all those records in the mm-hmm. in the state championship game. Had a fantastic career at Nebraska. Got invited to a couple camps. I believe it was Dolphins, one yeah. other. Um, just size is his biggest issue, but uh, he's so going to be playing, I believe, down in Dallas. Yeah, I was going to say, Lions more importantly, what's what's our offer here for the American Lions football? Like, what, are we, what are we getting? Like, what, what's he going to get us? let us do? You get us to a game I or something? I haven't spoken to him. I'm saying I know you, a couple players. Maybe I'll make a call for you. Can you get us on a sideline? I'd like to go with you. I think it'd be fun. Nice, nice little outing. If you're paying for if you're paying for the flights to Dallas, I'll get us credentialed. Okay, I will pay for the flights. You pay for the golf. Okay, that's fair. I think that's fair, right? We're playing nothing but munis. That's going to do it for episode <laughs> 88 of the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. As always, get out there on the socials. Fill the mailbag. Uh, like it, retweet it, subscribe, unsubscribe, download all of it. It all helps. We appreciate you guys as always. We'll talk to you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.